In this episode, we wanted to look at attitude as the topic, but we quickly realized that attitude stems from who we are and what it means to be ourselves. So just to give you some context, during this episode of Trainer's Lifestyle, we quickly dive into what it means to be our true selves and what the guests have found to be the way to understand what oneself is fully. Hope you enjoy, and here's the episode. Welcome to Trainers Lifestyle, podcast by Trainers Forum, a platform where trainers and educators can learn to level up their training and non-formal education. My name is Oscar War. I'm the host, productivity, habited coach, and trainer. Today, we're going to explore the topic of attitude and what that means as a trainer and how we can develop this. Today, my guests are Milda Latakaite. She is a master facilitator in an organization called Points of You, which trains coaches, facilitators, and trainers. And she has traveled around the world and worked with Tony Robbins, and this is her current job as well as a trainer. Marek, as well as a master facilitator in Points of You, and is also a well-being trainer and coach who left the corporate world as an HR manager two years ago to pursue this trainer's lifestyle. How are you guys doing? Welcome. Are you excited? Very excited and thank you for having us. Oh, uh, I'm super excited too. Hello, Oscar. Hello, the world. Yes, to the world hello land. to everyone. <laughs> really, really happy to be here. A bit lost in the in the mountains in Norway at the moment, right from the beautiful, beautiful, inspiring trip, but still waiting to share our insights about the attitude with whoever is listening to this podcast. Super cool to have you guys coming from the mountains of Norway. And this is the first time we have two guests on the podcast, which is very special as well. Because it's episode two. <laughs> exactly. We need exactly. to help too. <laughs> and you came up with a topic of attitude a couple of days ago. So I wanted to ask, what does this mean to you? And what, is, what made this topic come to mind? Um, so it's my fault that, that this topic was brought in. Um, I'm whenever someone is asking me what where the trainer's journey starts, you know, I'm always saying it starts from myself. It starts starts from yourself. It starts from who we are and why we do what we do. And the thing is that uh, uh, it really really depends how strongly or weakly we are going to transfer the message towards the world. We are going to help others. Uh, to to learn something, to change their their life, even if needed, to open their hearts at least a tiny bit. If you if we like we are not open, for example, for the, with the with the participants, we are not open uh, uh, with the ones who are listening to us. As an example, again, uh, how can we just know to expect everyone else to open up? So the attitude for me is really the core. Of what does it mean to be a trainer? What does it mean to be a coach? What does it mean to be a facilitator? What basically does it mean to be um, a human being who tries to twist the world in a, in the in, in the, uh, towards being it kinder and better? And I think I would like to add on to what Milda said. 
I believe to, it makes it further. Anyone, attitude is the key because authenticity is the thing we want. And I think the people who have success in whatever area they choose, they are authentic because they're following their passion. So in the end, if this is something you want to be doing, inspiring, working with people, you need to believe. Uh, and that's, I think, the key, the seller. And uh, people will feel straight away if what you're saying, what you're doing, is it you or are you faking someone? And if you're not, and if you're faking, then they won't follow, they won't listen. Because I mean, why? And you know, and there's attitude towards self, attitude towards others. And it's like towards self, like, you know, who am I? Uh, the others will see. And, uh, and you know, and I will be as I am, I will be the same towards others and others will be the same towards me. You know, it's kind of, it's a loop. <laughs> but as they say, it's the hardest thing to it be is, yourself. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Because I feel like everybody has heard the message, just be yourself. But this can be one of the toughest things that a person strives towards. So if you're right now exploring the world and people a lot, what have you seen when it comes to people wanting to be themselves? Like people, I, I can talk first from my own example and my own journey, because, you know, it's like, I believe that I see world from my own eyes, no? Um, it's just, you know, uh, I I am usually the, the, the person or the individual, or I try to be uh, the one who would please, uh, who would uh, be expected to be <laughs> rather than being self. And it was quite a big journey for me myself to to finally start realizing, hey, maybe, just maybe, you know, who am I trying to be? It's not me, but the best thing I really, really wish to be, it's me. And it's simple. I know it sounds like super complicated, <laughs> like as a maze, <laughs> but it's not. It's It's just, you know, my own learning, my own observations. It's just we try too often, try to be everything else, anyone else in the world but ourselves. And this is mm -hmm. where the complexity of the life, complexity in the profession is starting. True. That's also, that is a big part of being a trainer, being your authentic self. Yeah. And I, and I wanted to say exactly as you said, we overcomplicated that like usually the simplicity is the hardest one to, to achieve because we're like trying to be someone here and then, and someone else. And in the end, I'm also thinking that when it's coming, we, for, we think because what we know the most is us, but we take it for granted that everyone else is the same. So if I'm reacting in a way or if my way of thinking is, we usually assume that's how everyone's seeing it. And we forget that we are really unique and not everyone sees it this way. And things which are so easy for us, they're not so easy for everyone. And it's really to, um, I would say, cherish and take hold of your strengths and to be really aware of them and to be aware that it's not everyone has it. We're all a unique mixture. And even if we read the same book, we would take out this different quotes, different words, and we would even say it in different words. And I think that's being yourself. It's filtering through ourselves. That's so true. Yeah. Finding the correct filters about how to express ourselves is what can be one of the most difficult things. What I'm wondering, you both said that it's a journey and of self-exploration to find what it means to be oneself. Is there any one event that you can recall that had an, a very strong impact that defined you towards who you are now? <laughs> I just like, it's really sad that you can't see us because we are laughing. <laughs> 
Because I'm worried you'll have the same answer, but you go first. <laughs> uh, for me, uh, there were many different experiences, you know, which impacted me quite a lot. But the main reason why I got stuck with points of view in a good way, because it was really one simple card and one simple sentence in that experience, which was really presented, as I'm saying, from the attitude, from the appearance of love and acceptance. It just transmitted to me one little card it was needed just for me to have the biggest breakthrough in my life, uh, to understand how much I am focused on everything else but myself. And uh, I love, I, I try because it's like it's impossible if you don't do it yourself. I tried to love the rest of the world, but not myself. And this, <laughs> it's, it's like, believe me, we are laughing, laughing from it because the journey was painful. The journey was long for me. It took few years. But in the end, I'm laughing because it was a ridiculously stupid journey. Just facing myself in the mirror saying, hey, you are good enough as you are. <laughs> and I think I'm laughing because it was also points of view. And probably that's why I'm stuck in a good way. And it was also about not loving myself. I think it was a different <laughs> card. And, you, and believe us or not, we were in different courses at that time. We didn't and know we each didn't other. Know each other yeah. <laughs> but for me, it started the same of not loving but I think the moment in there was, I also found the authenticity. The facilitator in that program was like really inspiring. Efrat Shani, she was herself. She was completely like outside of the box, anyone I knew, but she was herself. And she like really didn't care what the rest of us thought. Uh, for those who don't know Efrat, she has this hipster, unique style of clothing. She was the facilitator. She yeah. was the main facilitator. She's also the co-founder of Points of View. And she's like really unique when you meet her and you see her. And I love the confidence that was beating from her, really showing that what she's saying, she really means it. it she's really living it every word she goes there. So you, that's amazing. You both talked about the a card. I don't, for people that don't know points of view, what do these cards look like and how can they help people to express self-love? I would say, I don't know that they helped me express self-love. They helped me notice that I don't love myself. And then it was another mind of weird processes and going in circles. But I think that's a completely different topic. Going to the tool, it's a cards. It's cards with photographs, uh, photographs with words, uh, photographs with, with, with words that don't really fit when we look at it. But I think that's the whole idea of points of view. The idea is to open the right hand side of the mind is to override the brain, to override the left hand side and to let our emotions. And in the end, I think it photographs, we live in a world of photographs. We speak through photographs and everyone knows how to look at a photograph, but because we are filtering it for ourselves, it gives us amazing results. And this is how, I think how from a card yeah. and a photograph, we got the results. Yeah. I, I really like giving an example how it happens. Uh, and I'm calling it just, it's a chaos, which just happens in the brain. We have, we are, there's so much noise and we put so many excuses on ourselves and perceptions. And we don't know in the end what's the reality, what's not. And sometimes you just don't need to know. But the thing is that uh, we put, you know, all the, everything in our mind and there was so much noise, so much visuality, so many thoughts that we just don't know what's real, what's not. What do we feel? What we perceive we feel. Uh, who we are, who we perceive we are. Who are we not? Or we don't want to be. It's like one big, you know, chaos. And what 
what the uh, what the points of view tools did at least for me and this is what i'm giving as an example is just you know you look at the card which is a really carefully designed uh with a photo one at, at that example photo on the word as just like look at uh, look at it and uh, and then by, while being guided um just focus on the allow the creative side of yourself the focus on it and think from once uh, from its own perception and then looking from the logical part of your brain and also look at the same photo at the same time and then you know like two sides two really strong strong sides just uh, look at the same thing they get their own perceptions their own reality and the chaos is start happening two storms in two different sides there is a glimpse of the sunshine coming out you know that there is no excuse anymore for their real real self to come out and to get a clarity of uh, what does it really feels to be me and look we're back to finding yourself <laughs> 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 in the chaos of everything it's yeah. the sunshine of being yourself yeah that's true i really like that that analogy that you're using of bringing the right and left side of the brain clashing with the emotions and the analytical brain sides do you think this is a necessary process for finding one's true self like creating some kind of mess in order to dissolve whatever is holding us back Yeah, I think, I mean, this is me, sorry. It sounds pessimistic. In my opinion, from the mess we learn. So if we want to learn, we need to crack and no easy way. Of course, there are many different ways and tools uh, to crack. And I think like there's so many different people, you should go and look for something that will help you and to experiment and test on yourself the different methods. But in the end, we need to crack. And, and I think it's like with the bone surgery, all right? No, let's, no, let's go to rocks. Bones is painful. But rocks, you need to hit it hard. And when it cracks, you can find the gem inside. But if you're not hitting it and cracking it, you won't find it. And the same with us. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> so That's sorry, no easy way. No. And you know there's uh, there's like really beautiful philosopher uh, and uh, neurologist um, who uh, passed away a few years ago it's uh, David Hawkins and he's inviting us for the surrendery you know he's saying that um, it's really easy to to bottle things in to just like to say no I'm not going to deal with this pain now no I'm not going to feel this because I don't want to feel but in the end we just put it in ourselves bottle and bottle and bottle and that jar of feelings at some point is going to explode because of that uh, try try our trials to squeeze everything too much inside and what he's inviting and what I like about the simplicity of the invitation is just simply you know allow self to to feel and to suffer even if it needed feel sad just feel sad you don't need to go and scream and hit your head in each corner you know because you feel sad but um, but like allow self to feel sad and to feel crap if you mm. feel crap you know just allow don't pretend for the world that is perfect just be like this you know and whenever you we accept the feeling the feeling fades away because our unconscious unconscious mind is accepting it and uh, and then it fades away and then it's dealt off at some uh, in in one or another way 
and it goes it comes and goes you know and uh it's not an easy journey uh, it's it's both funny great filled with the gratitude love and positiveness and also it's filled with the sadness because let's be honest we bought we usually in this world we like i don't know in, in, in this in this world we are in, in this presence there's so much so much pressure to be someone you know something to do something and then we just try as i'm saying uh, fishes trying to climb the trees like we know it's impossible <laughs> but we still somehow try to do it and it's painful and it's painful to to try to find the way back to the water again too you know it hurts but then when you find the water <laughs> you understand oh it feels so good it was worth it <laughs> And I also think that when he said, like, we're putting away the emotions and we don't want to feel something, in the end, we're numbing ourselves. Like, if I don't want to feel sad emotions, I'm not going to feel happy emotions. And if I'm uh, only wanting sad, I'm not going to get the happy. So, yeah, in the end, if I want to have a fulfilled life in all aspects, I need to face both the good and the bad. And who said it? You probably quoted it. It's like, everything is good. To feel bad and good, it's only the decision. Do I want to stay in it or do I want to move on? I think it's the same David Hawkins. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> David Hawkins, by the way, if someone really wants to read some philosophical, super light and inspiring books, David Hawkins, Letting Go is the book to I would really, really advise to read. Oof. Maybe I'll, have to, I'll add that one to my reading list then. You should. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That, that is super interesting. And especially the finding the balance between accepting both the happy and sad emotions because we always look for positive emotions. And I guess from what you're saying that we can't really experience the magnitude of positive emotions if we don't accept what's holding us back. And, and maybe we can go like even with the metaphor of taste. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm eating only sugar and I'm only eating sugar, then I need to eat more of the sugar and it gets bland. But you know, if we don't eat sugar for a week, then a little teaspoon of sugar is going to make you go completely crazy because you like didn't experience it. So I think it's also coming from the balance and, and cooking comes in here mm. perfectly. Like if you want to make the sweet taste come out, you need to put a little bit of salt. And if you want the salt, you're adding a little bit of a sugar because it, it just balances the flavors. So it's same metaphor, I think. Yeah. And you know, this is when we are coming back to the, like when we are thinking about the attitude as a professional, in this case, in a training field, um, it's also whenever we learn about our emotions personally, not not really. I read the books and I know emotions. We know that that's that's not working. Now, like we need really to walk the walk, talk the talk. Mm -hmm in this profession, whenever we learn about emotions, whenever we learn who we are and what does this mean to go my own way, because this is my way, it might be slower, it might be faster, we start getting our participants. And uh, even for me personally, whenever I, I just really learned uh, uh, to understand myself and uh, learned to live with myself who I am, which is, by the way, I love like myself who I am. I'm a really cool human being. <laughs> Sorry for showing up. I'm, I really am. <laughs> um, love it. But all the fear disappeared in towards interaction of the participants, what my participants will think. Because as I know what I feel, I really can connect more with the participants, accepting their own emotions. 
all the possible emotions, all the possible outcomes, likes, dislikes, criticism, acceptance, love, hate, whatever, just bring everything. I will just take them with the love because this is their process. This is their uh, their own uh, learning process uh, is happening, you know, and uh, I'm here for them to serve whoever they are and in which in whatever state they come. And I think now we went into vulnerability, which is Brenna <laughs> Brown's field of exactly the strength. And I think as a facilitator or trainer, that's another thing we need to have the courage. That's like her book, the courage to be vulnerable, but you know, to show up in a room of people and tell them that we've messed up our lives and, or that we don't know something or the mistakes we do. And, to, and I think if we show, if we cry with them and they see that there, there's a human there, it's another connection, another attitude of showing I'm the same as you. I'm not someone else. I'm not better. I'm not worse. I'm just as you. So yes, trainers in standing in front of their participants or sitting in a circle are from at least, I think Marek is also agree, agree with me, shouldn't pretend being perfect because it's going to go wrong. <laughs> yeah, and then also why fake it? Yeah, why do that? And I think we also connect with the person mm. who's showing and going back to the attitude, even as a facilitator, we believe sitting on the same chair mm-hmm. as, a, as, the, as the other participants, not on a throne or something it's on the spotlight right yeah so definitely one of the biggest things that could hold us back during a training session is not allowing our vulnerabilities to shine through and maybe trying to be some somebody else or have some kind of attitude although i feel like these could have an advantage if you maybe want to portray some kind of confidence though although like you're saying the being yourself comes with a, the confidence of being able to let go and trust the process, as Milda always says. And I also think you have to have confidence to cry in front of your group and to show yeah. that you're lost and to show that you really don't know and to show that the story touched you. I think that is bigger confidence and more courage than to pretend that it's not affecting me. And you know, more we work with ourselves within, like more we, we learn to understand ourselves, to learn what happened in our life, to work out all the wounds and all the gifts we have, uh, easier it is to communicate with the participants and easier it is to, uh, uh, to challenge them, to invite them to different processes, to, to embrace their emotions. Because, you know, and it's easier not to pretend to be someone because then whenever I, I worked out my things, I, I don't need, you know, to sit and just uh, stress out because not to show my emotion towards a thing that participants is either sharing or experiencing because I worked it out. I embrace it because I know, yes, it might be challenging to face any challenge that participant is facing, which really connects with me, but I'm just embracing it. And this is this is the award of uh, working self out, like really, really learning about self. Hey there, hope your ears are enjoying this so far. This is the mid-episode break. You're listening to Trainers Lifestyle, the podcast provided by Trainers Forum, the biggest community of trainers in Europe. Visit www.trainersforum.org to learn more about our work. Now, back to the show. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of people, that we've developed 
a certain mask so that we don't face the negative emotions or feeling harsh um, emotions from other people because we're scared of that. You know, I have... I really have a good saying. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting. I, I say that like, you know, there are many emotions. Uh, we call it like negative and we say they're positive emotions. And we say there are, as we say, there are good words and the bad words in the world, you know. The thing is that the feelings connected with the word we say or with the emotion we call it, it's us who create it. For me, uh, for me, the... I don't know the um, the emotion of uh, give me example sadness sadness the emotion of sadness can be the most rewarding emotion uh and for other person it can be the scariest and uh, the most horrible one right understanding that it's also it's we who give the value and give the weight towards it. Not only to the words we tell, but the words are connected with what we feel also. Because through the words we give, we send like, you know, feel sad, feel sad, feel sad. And if I repeat 1000 times, feel sad, Oscar will start feeling crap, <laughs> you know. Um, just because you perceive that you need to feel, your brain will perceive that it needs to feel sad. This is how the um, basic uh, NLP is functioning, right? But then it's it's my perception. I'm sending it to you. While understanding that uh, it might be different, it also always gives us a power to start being aware about: Do I feel it, or is it so bad to feel it? Is it okay? Maybe for me, feeling sad is not so bad uh, as I perceived before. Because if I feel it, I learn. I learn the value of the thing I missed. The reason I I I feel sad for right. Maybe I missed something. Maybe I broke a really loud cup, or uh, I just I'm sad that uh, someone haven't called me. You know, tonight. So instead of calling me, I feel sad. But then I being aware that I feel sad that someone haven't called me. So I will pick. A, I I will make a call and I will feel happy. <laughs> so that it can be. No, it can be simple. It can be complicated. So I think it, as the emotion is just a sign. We have to remember it's a signal for us. Yeah. It's, as you said, it's not good, it's not bad, it's a neutral information. And then, as you said, in the end, it's what do I do with it and what's my decision? And like thinking again, going back to facilitation with the attitude, if I'm afraid of emotions, I'll probably be afraid of my participants' emotions. Yeah. So if I'm not comfortable with sad, when they show sad, I'm going to be blocking it. And then I can give like, uh, I think, uncomfortable signs to them because I'm not comfortable with it. So in the end, and with the attitude is to really show that I'm okay with any emotions. You know, whatever you bring to the room, at least for me, it's yeah. okay. And I just want to reflect it to the participants, but it's their, you know, what they do with it. And I think the most important is also to check, is it someone's emotion or is it my emotion? <laughs> yeah. Because we loved in taking others people's stress. But, it, you know, for example, this is, it's not my sadness. If the participant is crying, it's his. I don't need to take it. Well, that's a really good point. Could we delve into that? I, first, just to wrap up what you were saying before, to understand your emotions, I, you were saying that I think it's very important as well to look at accepting the emotions and not maybe getting angry that we have them or just be blocking ourselves out from feeling this, for example, the sadness. You're totally right. To understand who we are and why we feel this, it's important to just let it happen and see what where it's coming from and then eventually take action on it to get better and then Marek what you were just saying is in, in training it's super important to 
be able to identify which feelings are coming from, from participants and from ourselves. Do you have any experience with this? Um, so I'm thinking with experience, uh, I mean, there's a lot. And in, in with the workshops that I, we're doing in points of view, there are always a lot of emotions. And and I think at the beginning was also very hard for me because I was at, as an empath, I think I have a high empathy. I take everyone's emotions. So everyone was crying, I would be crying and I wouldn't be like understanding, is it mine? Is it theirs? What's happening? And again, also... Uh, I hate conflicts, so I'm the one who tries to please everyone, which isn't really a good thing as a facilitator. So I was like trying to calm everyone down. And then I was noticing, I think, again, it's your practice of knowing yourself. And, and we're coming back all the time to really know yourself on a level. Is it like reflecting me or not? And then it's against the screenings. Like I'm doing a check and I think it's coming from Eldarian psychology, which is saying like, is it my role or is it your role? Uh, and if it's like someone's role, like because someone's feeling their pain, it's okay. And of course I can say, yes, I can imagine and like to acknowledge that I see it, but really I cannot do anything more about it. Because even to say, oh, I know how you feel. I don't really know how they feel mm -hmm. because it, we're coming back. You cannot measure pain and it can be something different. It's more to say, okay, this is what I'm seeing and it's okay. And I think in the end, we all need to know that it's okay. Yeah. And if I knew that it's in my emotion then it would be to go back out of the room and think, okay, why is this happening? For example, why is when the person talking about, I don't know, being loved, why is it still paining me? And probably it still means I wasn't out. That was at the stage when I was in the process of still finding myself love. So I, he was in fact reflecting me. You know, if mm -hmm. a participant was standing and saying, I don't deserve to be loved, I was hearing myself. <laughs> that's so that's true. why I was, and I knew it's mine. And then again, I was like, okay, this is your process. You need to ground it and find a way to work. Yeah. At, at that moment, were you able to still help the participant through this? Or did you need to take time for yourself first to process that? So, I mean, here, and in this case, I think I could help because it was an issue I knew. So, you know, it was mm -hmm. like I was doing two in one because what I was doing healing for him. I was healing myself. Uh, but I think there could be issues, uh, there could be talks, and I've heard where, for example, we are taking on something and we're even putting it into the participant, like in a way, I don't know, his anger, and I may be interpreting this anger as something completely different, and then we really need to step back and again, like, to close ourselves off and not to go there. Um, I don't know if, if I'm making myself clear, but sometimes we are really putting on someone's issue into us. So it's like, again, it's a two-sided stick. Sometimes if we feel that it's an issue I'm dealing with and it really is similar, we can go into healing. But if it's complete, then, but sometimes there's a risk that it's our interpretation. And yeah, it sometimes be we just make a pers it personal from our own point of view. And, and then it's wrong because then you just like put all the perceptions, how we understand it. And then kind of, you know, inducting parallel possibility of the reality for the for, for your participant. Yeah, and now I'm just thinking that in this work, this is why it's so important to do just reflection, not to like add suggestions, only to reflect what the person is saying. I'm hearing this. Do I understand this? And I think, and when we are reflecting, we are it's safe because it's yeah. their words. You know, it's also, I think, very important not to put words into someone said. So for example, I know Milda would say, I am angry. And I would say, oh, Milda, you look furious. You know, like you said, furious. It's a different word. And then I could be putting her somewhere where she isn't. Yeah. So it's important. Like, I hear you're saying you're angry. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I also, yeah. how I also understand it. Yeah. As a 
I think as trainers, this is especially important because like you're saying, you're very empathetic, but even I think most people that work with uh, in jobs or professions that are very human focused, it's important to have the skill, but also, yeah, to know how to deal with other people's emotions and yeah, being able to reflect exactly the same words back is a key skill that we can take away. And I want to say that uh, even, you know, in the most technical training, even in the in the training that it might sound that we talk about more about, you know, emotional part of the training, but it's also in just bring most technical training. There are emotions because all of us, all of us have more or less emotions that we feel around. So it will be something will be happening inside and being aware about it, it's uh, it's like this meta level of what does it really, really mean to be a trainer. And it's a skill. It's it's a skill. Uh, some of us have it uh, the way the way it's easier for us. Some of us, some of us, it's more difficult. Uh, but it's a skill. It's a skill uh, which can be really developed when there is a openness, curiosity, and really uh, big. Um, uh, the, the deep understanding why it's needed to to develop it. Yeah, and to develop it, you're saying it's important to stay open-minded and always come without criticizing your people. So just yeah, I would even I would even say, sorry for jumping in yeah. to giving the acceptance of really yeah. accepting. And my example comes in when people start to cry. What's the first thing we usually do? We shove a tissue in their face and are we grabbing <laughs> oh, That's a blockage. <laughs> and this is, in, in, in fact, what I'm doing is I'm breaking the moment and I'm like, you know, if I'm giving someone a tissue, I'm showing that, you know, your tears are not right, yeah. clean them up. So in a way, the best thing is to let the person cry, you know, cry. I'm not going to give you a tissue. I'll be with you. I'm not going to say anything bad, but I'm also not stopping this emotion. I want to say it's okay to show that you're crying because I think every emotion is yeah. okay. Not every decision that we make or action is okay. And how do you, it probably doesn't happen often, but if you say the whole group were to start crying at one point, like 20, 10, 15 people, is it important? Can you just let them all cry together? Or what if somebody has these preconceived uh, notions that we should not be crying? How can you deal with that? Well, I think then it would be on more, again, then we would be working on a reflection. Okay. I, f I would feel okay with the whole group crying and me crying. And then if someone would be having this conception, then we can, again, do the mirroring. What what made you feel uncomfortable? Why did you feel, again, I'm trying to think of mm -hmm. the words. So if, if you have to say it's wrong, then I would say, why do you think it's wrong? Or what made you uncomfortable in this decision? So be more, again, reflecting. And I think then the whole group would have a beautiful learning. So... Uh, wishing so, it to everyone because that's a great learning. Just imagine this debriefing, you know, that's like uh, the one hour lasting, as in the total example, one hour lasting of really deep emotional debrief about what's happened behind that all the group is crying because some, like everyone, everyone, some connected with this, the thing what happened. And then it can be the deepest, most rewarding experience. If uh, if it's uh, being led, if participants, all the group is being led to through it. Mm -hmm. I think that's like all all trainers uh, like dream to have that probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and for the beginners, uh, I know that that 
like there's a big possibility Huawei is going to be uh, listening to us. Uh, there will be advanced ones, there will be less advanced ones, there will be totally new ones. Uh, it's And it's totally fine. And uh, for some, the things we are talking about can sound wibbly-wobbly, you know, for some scary, for some it's like self-explanatory. And for the ones who it, it sounds really kind of, how can I deal with that? I'm scared to be trainer. <laughs> My first two days, I, I thought I'm okay. And the third you appeared. Um, again, it's uh, one step at a time. That skill is learned. And uh, it's like, you know, curiosity and openness. That's most important uh, to start uh, to start um, developing. And, you know, uh, and this is, this is where we're coming to the... Th- again, to the trainer, being a continuous student, learning, 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 growing, growing, digging, digging, you know, it it never ends. Yeah, and I want to say it's learning also through experience in a sense of am I allowing myself to experience it, not only to read books on emotions or do I allow myself to cry and how do I even to observe in a normal setting if my friend cries? How does it make me feel? And we can, luckily, human interactions are on so many levels. So to really use every occasion to, again, notice what's happening in me. If someone is crying, if someone is shouting, yeah. laughing. Yeah, that's really true. You know what I'm, I'm going to take away from this uh, conversation is to do that. Like try to observe more in conversations what I'm feeling internally, because usually I focus on other people and try to see if they're okay. But that's a really good piece of um, advice to always remember, are you, how am I feeling and where is this coming from? Is there any tips or advice you'd like to give to the listeners that we haven't covered yet? So I think I'll just strengthen it more to exactly what you said, Oscar, is really to practice presence. I think for mm-hmm. me, the biggest tip, and I know it sounds weird, but uh, it's really to practice being present, being in the moment, in a way, like being the empty listener of not being in my mind, but really being in many situations. And it's can be, and as I even found for me, a great way I love doing was sitting in cafes and just observing people, but really like observing them emptily and looking at their reactions and practicing being in the moment, not drifting off and into my thoughts. So I would say the biggest one is presence. It's a hard one. Uh, there are a few books I love. I think it's Amy Cuddy presence she has a book she has a ted talk and it's really inspiring to practice being in the moment that's my biggest tip i think i totally agree with this one it's the huge tip use it and i will add up to it never stop growing um i have myself a rule that i gift myself give a present of uh, to myself at least one uh experience uh one opportunity per year more better you know but at least minimum minimum one uh where i could really um find something new get more curious grow as a human being and uh, have a step forward from where i am at the moment uh so continue growing never stop it's it it never stops with the trainer trainers. It never stops when we got one on another kind of certification. It's not about that. It's not about papers. It's really about the impact we are creating and the service we are giving. 
And I'm thinking, and also with what you said, on to have the creativity and not curativity, on curiosity, yeah. to be always curious, and also to look outside. It doesn't only have to be in training and facilitating yeah, to doesn't. to go in weird areas. Uh, even pottery class can be inspiring. As as the example, I never did a gym, but now, like this year, the best self discovery for me is doing weightlifting and gym. I'm I'm not kidding. It's like. It's a beautiful self-discovery experience. I learned so much about myself, like really things I had never expected to learn. That's so cool. Yeah, to always try new things is the best. I also heard that like your rule of doing one new experience per year, it's I think Lewis House, the he has a podcast and show as well, like was saying that some of the top performers that they, they try and do this like one event of self-improvement per year at least, which is super awesome. So that's more or less the time. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Um, just, you know, as the, uh, the, the most common thing, probably, you know, my name, Milda, and there is uh, Marek. <laughs> There's my friend, Marek. Uh, my, that um, if you have some questions, you will, you, you will find how to find us, you know, just contact us. We can, we can have hit the talk. Yes, so that's my final question to you is where can people find you if they want to know more, if they want to dive deeper? For Turnius Forum, it's on Facebook and LinkedIn. The main community is on Facebook where there's a Facebook group. It's trainers with an S and an apostrophe at the end and then forum. And there the Trainers Lifestyle podcast will be as well, as well as all, on all platforms. You guys are part of the Trainers Forum community so they can find you there. Is there anywhere else that you would like to share social media platforms or any current projects for me myself just uh, you know as connected to the trainers forum if you meet want to meet me lively i'm going to be in trainers forum tram uh trainers meeting in vilnius it's like feel free to come and say give me a hug and uh otherwise uh, i'm here or there you will hear from me <laughs> once in a while traveling the world yeah you're always traveling the world and for me also if anyone um you're welcome to reach out to me on Messenger on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. I think I'm in all of the social media. Yeah, me too. Just, and... just connect with me. <laughs> <laughs> and we want to yeah, hear your opinions, opinions and voices. Yeah, that's true. That's really true. We can figure out how to put uh, your names in the description of the podcast, I think. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to Trainers Lifestyle, the second episode. Hope you all enjoyed. And so subscribe and see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to get even more inspiration on Trainers Lifestyle and upcoming events in Trainers Forum, join our group on Facebook and follow our page on social media. We host a yearly conference and multiple local trainers meetings around Europe. The links are in the bio, but you can also Google Trainers Forum. Stay tuned and have a great day.